You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 53 of the Always Moto podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan, and we will be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. And look, he's still looking at, he's standing at that post box. He's waiting to get paid, mate. I don't know what's going on. This is the Always Moto podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. It's never been more true this week and just some couple of weird ones for us this week to talk about later on in the emergency department. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Super Motocross from Indianapolis, the Always Moto Fantasy League on Pulp MX game and the Super Motocross Emergency Department heading into Indianapolis. As always, we'll have a weekly product inspection highlight, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But bringing us the show today is Polar Australia and their incredible range of activity tracking and heart rate monitors from the H10 chest strap and their top-of-the-line GPS multi-sport watch, the Polar Grit X Pro. And if you haven't seen it, guys and girls, the review is up on fullnoise.com.au, and we've also got episode 52 in the list. If you haven't seen it, it's the one dedicated to our Always Moto inspection for that Grit X Pro watch. So check those out, please, and thank you. Thanks also to Slamboard Guy. Don't forget we have that affiliate deal in place. Slamboard Guy has offered 10% discount for Always Moto podcast listeners. So if you want to get your squats on point in the gym, improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs, this simple piece of equipment is definitely, definitely for you. Use the code AlwaysMoto in lowercase at checkout. And don't forget to check out our episode on our Always Moto inspection. Uh, that's all further down in the list here. Can't remember what number episode it is, but it's in there. Check it out dedicated to the Slamboard Guy. Um, next on our list, thanks to Endurance Recovery Boots. We've been working with those guys now, um, trying out those uh, boots that they have, and they are an interesting piece of kit. They feel very nice when they're pumping up and they're squeezing your legs. Uh, it's a very relaxing situation. But if you want to maximize your training, you need to be recovered before each session, and these recovery boots can help you be your best for your next effort. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout, and uh, we'll all get kickbacks from it. <laughs> kickbacks it sounds like it's doing something dodgy tech 167 3d printing as well thanks to those guys uh they were our product inspection last week check that out 
if you need something cool for your bike, maybe just a funnel that fits and means no mess, then check out these products. Special code for these guys is always Moto at checkout. Uh, and that will get you a 5% discount if you spend over $30 uh, in one transaction. So use that code all in lowercase, always moto. And that's the one that we've been directing you guys to listen to the show. So hopefully if you've been listening and you found us because of that, yeah, there you go. You're welcome. Go and use that code on the site and make your purchase. There'll be a new product article on those guys up on fullnoise.com.au as well very, very shortly. So check that out if you haven't already seen it by the time you're hearing this. As always, we still need some direct show support. We have our merch available. We have Always Moto t-shirts. They are $25 plus postage and handling. Show your support of the podcast and get a t-shirt so you can rock it at your next race. Send us an email to info at alwaysmoto.com. Put t-shirt order in the subject line and send us the size you want. Now, in regards to the size, please go up a size or two. They are running a very tight fit, these shirts. Unfortunately, the uh, Chinese manufacturers don't believe in regular sizing, it seems. So run a size up or two, and you'll be very happy with that purchase when it turns up at your door. We'll be in touch with PayPal um, payment details very shortly once you send us that email. Uh, And while we're talking about PayPal, if you want to support our show direct, please send us a donation. There is a link to that uh, in our show notes and all the the, uh, products that we've advertised here are in the show note link. So please check that out. Uh, and you can send us a direct donation to the Always Moto Show. Please, if you do that, leave us a comment, um, leave us a question, and we'll read them out live on the show. We've had a couple of donations, but no comments. I'm a little bit disappointed. I thought we could get something cool coming out of that. But anyway, see what happens next time. Send me something, and we'll read it out on the show. All right, enough intro talk. Let's jump into the show. I'm Brighton Carroll, riding for Team TCD, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, welcome in, Benny. Thanks for joining us again this week, mate. How's things been? Yeah, everything's going all right. How you going? All right. Just uh, as I was telling you earlier, just a bit of school homework this week, mate, keeping me under the under the pump, you know. So it's another week, another another kid assignment from school. But anyway, we're, we're getting there. Yes, I don't miss those days, that's for sure. Oh, well, you, you, you don't miss them, but you can now start looking forward to them maybe one day. You know, that's when, when the next lot comes through. That's what I'm in at the middle of. So, yeah, anyway. But. Yeah, no, it, it might happen. <laughs> it might not, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> don't rush these things. It's, it's overrated. Keep practicing, I believe is the term. So, um, anyway, how was the racing for you, mate, this weekend? I thought it was a pretty good weekend of, uh, of uh, action in, in the AMA. Um, good result for an Aussie being the lights win with Hunter, but uh, some pretty exciting stuff for if you're a Suzuki fan in the 450 class with Kenny getting a win for the Kickstart crew. Yeah, what a, what a race. Um, you just you don't expect it. Um, you know, he hasn't had the greatest of times lately. And then, um, yeah, to pull that out was, and, you know, the crowd just going absolutely nuts. And, um, you know, Barsha actually racing him and not just cleaning him out. Uh, yeah, it was really good. Well, there's a little, I think there's a little caveat with that Barsha comment because I don't think he actually got close enough to even try to do that yet. So if there had been maybe two or three more laps and he could creep just another bit closer, maybe you would have seen it then. But I think that was the, that was part of the reason he didn't, he didn't, um, didn't quite get close enough to do anything. But it does seem like Barsha has been a little bit more subdued in the recent two weeks at least since that, even Daytona when, you know, 
Chase was going bonkers. There was nothing on track that sort of screamed a Barsha moment afterwards or, or in the middle of that as it was happening. So maybe he's finally turned over that new leaf. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I know he, you know, we saw the footage after that Daytona race where he pulled up next to Chase and had a chat with him. But I think uh, I think that's all that it was. But I thought uh, when Kenny made that mistake on the last lap, I thought, oh, he comes Barsha, he's going to catch him and that'll be it. But um, he got away. So, yeah, I think Barsha's just may have toned it down a little bit. And uh, I think that probably helped a little bit for Kenny to get over the line. Yeah, definitely. Like he was obviously starting to sort of come back. The 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 anchors was coming out, not from a fitness or anything point of view, but I think just the the mental drain that that was doing of him being out there and potentially gonna do it at that point. Everything was probably starting just to tighten up a little bit, and, and you know to get that last lap out without Barsha all over him. And thank God it wasn't Cooper Webb because could you imagine the storylines if he did it again? But um. Uh, yeah, I think he just got a little bit close there, but he managed to find that last little bit to get that last lap out cleanly and, and maintain that, like, was it a second, not even gap at the end? So, yeah, well done, Kenny. Well done to prove that there's nothing wrong with a Suzuki. And as long as you've got a leg that can kickstart a bike, you probably should own one of them instead of spending an extra couple of thousand dollars on the high-priced, more advanced models that apparently aren't that much more advanced when a Suzuki can pull off a win, so... No, and I tell you what, the best thing about that was him taking the Kickstarter to the uh, to the podium. Oh, look, that was just a good, like that was just a funny. He's obviously well thought this out in advance about you know how they're going to do this if they pull it off. So that was, I thought that was a good theatrical moment from him. But um, hey, speaking of which, you put in a group post uh, 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 chat earlier. Did you end up buying a Suzuki after that? You know, you, you sounded pretty keen because they they got it over the line. <laughs> Yeah, no, as I said, um, the, the place I went to, they didn't have any because I was going to put it on your account there, but they didn't have one, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Suzuki Australia apparently got to do like a six-month pre-order for, to get one. They don't have any in the countries is what I've been told. So, yeah, I'm not surprised you couldn't get one on the weekend. But anyway, that's another story for another time. Uh, but what about that track, mate? I, I love the fact that it broke down and made it difficult. I don't care that they were, you know, complaining about the ruts and, and the maintenance that had to go into it with being a bit more. I, I think they they did a good job of making it safe enough for everybody to still race it and that it just throws out that challenge for everybody to actually have to show some skill. And the only part I really don't like about tracks when they go that way is that they get this one massive V-line through the whoops and everybody seems to go through that section, which... To, to Barsha's credit, he didn't do that. He found a good line just to the right of it and continued to sort of skim there. But everybody else pretty much that I could see was going through that V-line, which is that's the only thing I don't like about it. But uh, the rest of it, it's a man's track, that one. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen the track crew do so much work on it. Uh, I think it was nearly like every in-between all the – like every heat or every second heat um, and then the LCQs and stuff. like They were just constantly working on it all day. Um, but, yeah, the one line, uh, like you said, through the whoops and then Barsha not taking that line um, was good. But, yeah, everyone just ran that same line. So then it sort of, you know, through that section becomes a procession, but uh, definitely a man's track. And uh, I don't know whether that helped Kenny, like, you know, and just getting out in front and then he could just, you know, he's good in tracks like that or what. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have been like to ride in that track, that's for sure. 
I probably wouldn't like it if I was riding it myself just from the fact that I'm not that good on multiple <laughs> jumps in a row sort of thing. If there was you know, a couple of sections there, yeah, it was sweet. But the fact they're trying to do that for 20 minutes, all right, yeah, I'm out. But um, no, to watch it as a spectator, I love it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit better bit of thing than watching just the concrete tracks of, you know, Anaheim when they, they're just completely flat and smooth. As all the, although the ones this year were a bit more rutted up in, you know, past years they end up really, really flat and hard. So... It's good to see just something different come out from the from the crew and and obviously the the track maintenance. I feel like they could use the TV time better and space out. You know how when you're watching it and like obviously we get to watch it all the time because we're in it national, but they end up backloading all those pre-recorded science of supercrosses and and the track map and and whatever else they put in Fowler's fact uh, film room now that are. are going into that space between the LCQ or before the LCQ and then after the LCQ before the mains, I feel like they could space that out to do more track maintenance in the other sections as well and sort of give a little bit more, still end up with the same amount of time between the rounds, but just done a little bit differently, if that makes sense. So, Yeah, no, it does. And, you know, most of the time we just sit there and watch what's going on in the stadium while they have their ads on. So they could even just, you know, feel our international, like our ad time with that stuff even or, you know, something similar. Um, but, yeah, now they've got – I think they've upped it with the pre-recorded stuff, which is good to see. Um, so, yeah, they just – yeah, like you said, they're spacing it out a little bit better and um, gives everyone a chance to see w- what happens behind the scenes if they're not uh, that into it. Yeah, definitely. Now, what were your thoughts on uh, Chase Sexton's crash this weekend? I I feel like he just didn't uh, change his technique enough for the track and how it had, had gone in terms of the ruts and that he just he thought that he could just turn that the way he always turns it and not consider the fact that the rut is, you know, so deep that his peg might catch. Um, just overriding the track is my thoughts on that one. Well, Alpine stars are down another visor. That's for sure. <laughs> I did think of that too, actually. That, I was like, oh, it wasn't Hunter or Jet for the first time, you know. Um, yeah, no, they're down another visor now after that. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, I think like we said last week, it's a, it's a mental thing and I think even more now so. Um, you know, it was only just in the start of the race too. Like he just, you know, just got to calm down, get into a rhythm and, I just don't think he can, unless he's out front, I don't think he can do that. I think he just pushes too hard and tries to get to the front too quick and that's where the mistakes happen. Yeah, but I still think, like like you said, the mental block thing is the big part of it, but I think he just mentally didn't realise that that corner, he couldn't do that, what he was trying to do in that corner at that time. The track had gone away for that much lean angle. The foot peg was always going to drag. As soon as he went in that hard, there was no way it was going to go any other way. So... Yeah, just uh, another mental thing. I think he's just not thinking through that process, and maybe he can't at this stage. There's too much other noise in there, and he's not seeing it clearly. So he's got to get this stuff out of his head, like we said last week. He's got to get two of them done cleanly and done well for this to sort of start moving out. But you know, he hasn't got one yet. So anyway, red flags this year this year have been quite prevalent. I don't know if you've noticed it, but I feel like we've had a lot of staggered starts this year. Yeah, there has been a few, which on the injury side isn't good in one way, but for you it's all right. 
Um, it's so not a your rough section, for me. It's, got, it's like some content to put out, but it's not like I really <laughs> want them to end up in the in the hospital or anything like that. I hate that part of it. Uh, yeah, no. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know whether you know these guys, you know, maybe are trying too much or they're just getting caught out or what. But uh, yeah, there's been some big hits this year and some red flags, and it's not um, it's not great, especially when uh, you know the crowd and everything want to know what's going on if um, they're not right where it is. And even then you still don't really know. And uh, then for us to be watching it on the TV too, like when it's a red flag and it sort of starts to take a while for it to be restarted, um, you sort of start thinking the worst and um, yeah, it's not ideal, but it, it happens. Well, there's a question for you, right? Like, with the red flag, as a spectator, maybe not in the stands at this this instance, but maybe as the one watching on TV, when you think about all the potential camera angles in the in the ground and then the information that they can get from Daniel Blair if he's on the ground or, or um, geez, I'm just going blank on, on the chick's name. I was going to say Aaron Bates for some reason, but that's way out of date. That's a long time that's ago. a long time ago. I've got a photo of her on the wall, actually. That's probably why I thought of it. But, um, <laughs> I think it's is it Haley. Oh God, I'm no. That's not even it now, is it? Jesus Christ, we're, this is terrible, terrible uh, podcasting here on our part. But anyway, but like they've got them on the on the ground, so they could get information right away. But my question is, as the guy watching it, do you want to know why and who that red flag is straight away and potentially see it, or do you want to just know that the guy got carted off and and that's all you want to know? Um, if uh, I guess if you if nothing bad comes out of it, um, like we have seen, uh, then I'm fine to watch it and like want to know what's going on or at least know who it is. Um, but if then it ends up really bad, then you know some people might not want to watch it. Um, but for me, I think if it's not that bad, then I like to understand what happened. I just don't want to go off like third-party information, I'd rather just see for myself and have, you know, be able to make a decision from that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tricky one. It is tricky, but, like, I think about, I think back to some other things from, from you know, like MotoGP and stuff. Like, I don't know if you remember, you might not, you might be a bit young to remember it clearly, but I think it was, um, uh, was it Daijiro Kato um, many years back when he when he went into a wall and he died from it and they you know they were showing that on the coverage and stuff like that's obviously pretty graphic at that point and you know the, and then the, you know um, was it Marco Simoncelli yeah, getting that, hit that with, was... with Rossi like that's all on the coverage and you see it and then you know you see him getting carted off on the there was another video somewhere that he's getting carted off and they drop him on the stretcher and you know those sorts of things obviously you probably don't want to see but if you go back in just even in this season with the red flags and you go back to Dylan Ferrandis's crash in Houston and they, they're like, oh, straight away they're saying it's Dylan Ferrandis. It's, you know, here's the, here's the replay and, and, you know, this is what's, what's happened. He's out cold sort of thing and they're showing him on the mule on the way off. Like that sort of thing for me, it was enough information that I knew what was going on, right? Like, and obviously my perspective is probably a little bit jaded on this because I, I want to know if I can see the incident, I can usually tell what's happened. So I want to know that sort of stuff, but I, I always wonder what the general fans like because this weekend, I felt like they were leaving. They weren't telling us anything as to what happened with the red flag. And I one that might be that they didn't know, but like I said, they've got Daniel Blair on the floor there, 
surely he can run over and go, oh, yeah, it's bike number, you know, 552 or whatever the number was yeah. before the crash and go, oh, yeah, it's this guy's name. Why can't they bring that up at least, at least a bit earlier? They just um, they just seem to miss it uh, and it just took way too long for that to come out. So, anyway, it's... Um, uh, yeah, it wasn't a wasn't a good. I didn't think it was a good look this weekend the way it sort of took for that long. So yeah, <laughs> I noticed. That and and at, at, at least at least too that he uh, the rider has come out and actually said what you know that he's actually not too, like he's a little bit bad, but it's not you know it's not that bad well, in like a way. They, they had they had Daniel Blair come on later, but it seemed like it was a long time before he came in mid race and brought that update to them. And look, maybe it took that long to get the information out, but I don't know. It just seemed like it took too long for me for that information to come out this weekend. And I wasn't, you know, stoked on that. And, and we'll have to see if that's the feelings that are coming across. But the, the post from Larry Reyes um, sort of indicated that that might've been his feelings about things too, when he's been looking back on it later on, but haven't got a response from him on that. But um We'll see when we when we talk to him a bit further. And I noticed too, you've managed to fill in the blanks for us. It's it's Will Christensen. It's, <laughs> thank you for putting yeah, well, that notes as you realised what it, who who it was. I feel bad that I couldn't remember Will's name. We see it and hear it every weekend, and just for some reason, just pulling a blank at that point. Yeah, well, there is a Haley, but you that's not who you were thinking of. No, she's the one that's been doing the race day live lately, isn't it? So. Yeah, I think I think she's done a little bit of both, but yeah, no, that's yeah. Will Will's the main one, and yeah, I just had a mind blank for a second too. Yeah, <laughs> disappointing. But anyway, let's move on from that one. Um, good race for Hunter again this weekend. He's uh, him and Jet both just look on a different level this year in two fifty Supercross, and that track and his technique. I think that just went together really smoothly and really easily for for Hunter this weekend. Yeah, and he was, you know, he could just got the whole shot pretty much, and that was it. But you know, the the commentators, all they wanted was for you know, Thrasher. Oh, he's going to get revenge. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. I'm sorry, but Thrasher's not even catching him. Like he's not getting anywhere near him unless he starts in front. Um, because Hunter's just that good at the moment. There's just no matter what you throw at him, um, he's just fast, and especially on that track, he was just smooth, just flowed through it, and um, I think he had a pretty big gap by the end of the race. So, yeah, there's no one even close to him. And same with Jet. They're just miles away from anyone. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the things happening for Thrasher, you know, with injuries and stuff. But he's not riding much during the weeks at the moment from all the things that are happening to him. And I don't think even if he, you know, late into a race, I just, like, look at the gap that ended up there at the end. It was eight, nine seconds, something like that, wasn't it? So, you know, there's no way, even if he's right behind him, you know, give him a couple of laps. He's slowly dropping back because he. I just don't think that Nate can even hold that pace himself at the moment, just because of his lack of bike time. Um, so you know, it's a fitness aspect coming into play. And and the other side of things is, I don't know if he'd want to get in there and and race rough because if he has to dab that foot of his um, and and potentially tweak his knee again, well, he's he's definitely out for the season at that point, then isn't he? So he's. I think that was a massive beat up from the commentary team, to, to be honest, and I, I wasn't too stoked on it either. Listening to the way they're carrying on. Yeah, no, I don't think they needed it, and yeah, you're right. I don't think he would uh, really even try unless it was for you know maybe a win right towards the end. 
Um, but yeah, he just at the moment, he's you know, he's not even getting close. And you know, he's thirty-two points behind. Um, is there a point where you just go, you know, let's just? I'm. Um, I think I'm. You know, too far gone now. Let's just go and get get this knee fixed and get on the mend. I don't know. Yeah, you got to wonder, eh? Like, ugh, you can't see him going outdoors. Now, well, I didn't even expect after that, you know, Daytona and the, the crash and he was already a little bit behind and I didn't even expect him to race this week. I thought, no, nah, they're going to look at it and go, we're out of this. Um, you know, what's the point? But, I mean, he's still, he's 32 points behind, but he's still in front of his teammates. So I guess that's a plus. But, yeah, I think there's a point where you go, we're a bit far now. Um, let's go and get this fixed up. You know, I've just I thought of something as we've been as we've been chatting about this with Thrasher, and there might actually be a reason to him being out on track still and trying to get through a certain number of races to get maybe a certain position in in the championship, or you know, get a certain amount of podiums, or maybe he's got something for wins. And you hear him talking about it all the time on like Pulp and Vital uh, Motorbex Pod and stuff about these like insured bonuses. And like they've essentially bet on their finishing positions. What's to say Nate doesn't have something like he's got some sort of you know in policy out in himself that he's going to finish top three in the championship and he's going to win you know three races in Supercross this year and he gets some ridiculous amount of money. What's to say that he's not trying to do that and when he doesn't reach that by say three rounds to go, that's when he disappears. Yeah, that's a fair uh, that's a fair call. I. Uh I hadn't thought of that, but yes, that, they do do that, and it's a yeah, it's a big possibility. Yeah, like obviously, all these guys to some degree are, are driven by the the money that they're going to make from some of these things, or even if it's not an insurance policy, maybe just his team, you know, is going to pay him a, a bigger bonus if he is top three, top two, you know, something along those lines um, for the for the series finish, and that's what he's aiming for. And until he can secure that, or he gets to a point where he can't secure that that's when he might drop out and, and actually go and get the surgery. So who knows? Maybe we're speculating out our butt here, but, um, you know, it seems like a logical thing that I'm just thinking of it as we're going through this and why he would still be pushing on in this scenario. So interesting to see if that plays out a little bit later on and we find that. We usually don't find this stuff out. We can start to sort of spitball about it now, eh? And then, and then like, in a month's time, you're like, oh, yeah, we were right, you know? Like, that sort of finally comes out because they tend to hide that sort of information. Yeah, no, that's right. But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. And yeah, by then we'll be many podcasts away from this one, and we'll just have to <laughs> look back and yeah, say that oh, yep, like you said, we were right. Have to get somebody to pull the audio and replay it for us. But anyway, we'll, we'll worry about that later. All right, let's um have a quick look uh, this weekend in in Oz Pro MX. We're we're going racing again, Benny. It's uh, supposedly round two, which will for most of the field's going to feel like round one. Unfortunately, with the points situation, um, obviously we had that incident down in Wanthaggy for for Braden there um, that we spoke about on one of the previous episodes. But this weekend's round two at Appen um, Oz Pro MX. Hoping for obviously a better round and a complete weekend of racing. Um, any thoughts on on this Aussie series coming into this weekend, Benny? Well, first of all, you got to give it up to Hunter on the podium, uh, dedicating that race to Braden. Uh, I thought that was a really a nice touch. R- yeah, really nice touch. Because um, yeah, he you know he didn't have to do that, but it's um, Aussies looking out for Aussies, I guess. 
Um, so that was really nice. But, yeah, it should be a good weekend. Um, um, I want to ask you a question, though. With Do you think that any point – like, I know that they didn't – the 250s got to race, but do you think any points should have been awarded or should it just have been a clean slate and just go, right, you know, what's happened's happened, just start fresh at round two and go from there? Yeah, it's kind of kind of hard, isn't it? They always say things like a national series overrides all sorts of moments, but in some way, I think everyone in the paddock, no matter where they were in the day, um, with the incident that happened, is just a way of saying, "Look, let's let's honor honor what happened for for Braden and and him as a person. Let's just call it that. That's a that's a round, you know, that's a zero point round, you know, and just move on, start again. Like I think that's what I would like to see happen, but Obviously, they've got a lot of rules in place. There's a lot of money at, pl- at stake in some of these things with contracts and stuff for teams and prize money. So they might not have been able to, um, but it would have been nice from my point of view if they, like I said, they just literally just said, no, nope, this is a zero point round. Nothing's happening. This is just a, you know, a respectful point to say, you know, thanks for, thanks for being a part of it. But um, yeah, with Braden's loss, let's uh, just use that as a nice little memory for him to say zero, you know. Yeah, and I I agree with that. I think um, I think that's a fair call. Yeah. Well, the only other uh, thing... But you, oh, you're right. Keep going. Yeah, the only other thing that sort of came out of that, that initial weekend is as, much, as little racing as they did get done was this weirdo situation that's sort of arisen for Nathan Crawford that sort of come to light this week in some of the other Aussie media posts about a, a penalty for him and not much specifics around it and, and just... Zero points for him anyway. Um, a bit of an odd one. I don't know the details that's happened there. I've tried to reach out to Nathan, but I haven't got a response there. He probably can't reply at this point about the situation. Maybe it's still being appealed. But, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to hear a bit more about why that one happened. There's obviously a couple of things that happened that we've, we've heard about with the, with the reasoning, but none of them have been confirmed as the actual reason for the zero points for the round. Yeah, well, I think there's well, maybe three different reasons and, you know, you could pick which one you think and you could probably still be wrong. So, uh, yeah, until it actually comes out, I guess we won't know. But it's a bit weird um, and, you know, he's been on the podium, got the trophy, done all that, and then, you know, they just go and look into it and change everything. So for him, I guess it's going to be pretty disappointing. But I guess whatever one of the three things it is, um, I guess we'll understand once it gets called out. Yeah, we'll have to just have to just wait and see. Um, all right, anything else before we jump into our Pulp MX Fantasy League talk? No, I think we're ready to go. I'm ready this week for the fantasy, oh, that's for sure. I bet you are, mate. I bet you are. Always Moto Fantasy League. Catch the fever. It's been a... Wonderful week for me. Um, so, Pulp MX Fantasy Game, uh, we have our Always Moto Fantasy League over there. We've got our 110 players in. We're deep into the league at this point in time. And this week being round 10, we're going to give away our first prize winner this weekend. And it's going to be for 10th place finish in the league. Uh, so, that'll be pretty cool. And it's going to be a set of Ringmaster gloves that are printed up with the Ringmaster logos. Their Ringmaster is a, a graphics company here in Australia. Uh, they do some pretty sick work. I've had my kits with them for many, many years now and uh, always very happy with them. They last forever uh, and they look sensational. But they've got a little bit of a cross-branding thing going on there with uh, Bolt Everywhere, who's also a supporter of the 
of the Fantasy League for us. Uh, and they've paired up and made some gloves. So this week's the Ringmaster ones. We'll have some Bolts um, specific ones here shortly. Uh, but yeah, so it was be a prize for 10th. Now, just a reminder to everybody that to win that prize, first, you have to finish 10th. Secondly, you have to have sent me an email to fantasy at alwaysmoto.com with your pulp username and your Instagram username, or at least your first name and your second name and your pulp name. So we know who you are. And the other thing is you've got to be following the sponsor pages, uh, which are always linked on any of the posts we've got on Instagram. But we'll run through them here now. So the sponsors of the Fantasy League for us are Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, obviously Ringmaster Images because they're giving away the prize this weekend. Thank you, guys. Uh, Helltech Australia and Bolt Everywhere. So that's how we've got to do it, guys and girls. We've got to be following those pages. We've got to send that email in and you've got to finish 10th this week at round 10. All right, Benny. Um, I feel like the floor should be yours, mate. You've you, you got your one week of soapbox time. Jump up. <laughs> right. Well, I finally, finally beat you. It's only been, what, a month now? <laughs> but we look, finally got there. Look, I'm going to cut you down right now. I got Simonson. All right. I got Simonson. Like everybody else in the game, I got Simonson. I'm not happy about it. Yeah, and you know what? He's on my team for this week too, so yeah, we'll see how that works out. Get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's not. I'm not happy about it. He could have. He, he should have made it. To be honest, that start in the LCQ was was pretty good. He just obviously got hung out to dry and run off the track and crashed. So, but I'm just. I don't feel he should have been there in that position. Given, I don't. Did we any anyone understand why? And I didn't get to hear the the pulp fantasy um, podcast this week. But did anyone talk about? why he lost that lap from the AMA that put him way up there at the beginning and would have had him a great heat race and a great gate pick for that heat, first heat race? Uh, so I think he cut the track and uh, I think it was too far away from his other lap times and so they investigated into it and worked out that he'd cut a part of the track and that was why he lost it. But uh, a very late decision uh, which is what they said on the fantasy pod this afternoon um, by the AMA to, you know, change it. But it, I guess it's the right call if you've cut the track. But Oh, look, I understand. Uh, that. That's for, fine. But I feel like there should be a mulligan, a mulligan enabled for that one pick for everybody. I, I feel like I need to send a message to Travis Marks or something. And if you do that, you'll uh, probably get ignored, or you'll get quite the response. So I wouldn't even bother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just get the uh, get the old crickets happening there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, look. So who else? Let's let's run through. Well, look. I'll I'll take my little part of the win. I'm still in the lead overall. I am sitting on two thousand and sixty seven points, uh, and you are on nineteen uh, fifty one. So. I feel like I've still got, what's that, 106 points gap on you, mate? Yeah, no, there's still a little bit there, but, uh, you know, there's still a long way to go yet, but it's going to be a hard, hard comeback, that's for sure. Mm, and in the league, you're 47th outright, and I am, I dropped, unfortunately, from 11th down to equal 15th. So not overly stoked on my overall position, but uh, we're in the game still, so it's all good. I, uh, I made up. 10 places this week. So I was on the second page last week and I'm back to the first page this week. And I bet all those 10 places you made up, they all like me had Simonson. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So who was your team last week? Obviously we know who one of mine was, but who was your team from, uh, from Indy there, mate? Um, so my 250 team, I had Jace Owen, 
who and Henry Miller, they both gave me 34 points. Nice. And then I had Jeremy Hand get me 28 points, and Max Nancy got me 21, which so he didn't um, yeah. didn't get me the All Star points, but that's all right. I'll take five, you know, five less points. Um, 450 team, I had Starling got me 36 points. Cooper Webb, same as Anthony, didn't get me the full all-star points, but he got 23, so it's only a three-point loss. So, again, that's not that bad. Uh, pretty sure last week I said I wasn't going to pick Freddie Noren, and I did pick him, and he gave me 52 points. So I, love, I, love I just couldn't indecision. go past it. Your indecision in the group chat at some points uh, on, on a um, Sunday morning before lockout is quite humorous about, I'm not going to pick him, I'm not going to pick him. I picked him. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. And again, I just got told to send you know send it this week and I did and uh, not probably not as much as last week because last week didn't really work out as good as this week, but um, it paid off and Cade Clayson got me 30 points and – Hunter got me the um, first of the finish line. So, uh, so what did you he gave me fi- two sixty six? Uh, so nice. I I beat uh, I know Mathers got two sixty four this week, so I beat him. So that's nice. And uh, I think he said he got fourth in industry idiots. Oh, so could have made some money. That's uh, yeah, could have, but uh, yeah, that's all right. That's fine. I uh, you'll laugh at this. I was 100% certain that I'd picked Sexton for the first of the finish line and he didn't get it and I was just, you know, swearing at the TV uh, <laughs> when he didn't get it and I actually picked Webb. So oh, you're kidding. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, I, when I looked at that, I just laughed at myself and said, you're that's, an idiot. That's awesome. That's one of those, yeah, I'm an idiot moments. So, no, nice work there. All right, well, look, my team, obviously minus one particular rider, I managed to get 234 still, which was good. I had Jay Sowen as well for 34. I had Chris Blows for 36. I had Hunter Lawrence to get me my max for my all-star at 26. 450s. I'm surprised you didn't pick Adam Cincerulo, mate. Yeah, look, I, said, I think I said last week too that, you know, he was on my team already, but I would see how qualifying went. Um, and it wasn't too bad, but just, you know, I'm stoked with how he rode. Um, I can't believe that he got sixth. Um, I didn't see that happening, but uh, I just for fantasy purposes, I couldn't couldn't do it. Oh, look, and, I, I went. You know, he, he would have got points. me. <laughs> he he would have got me a few more points than uh, you know whoever was lower than him. But that's all right. I can I can pass that. Well, look, I had Adam at forty two. I had Shane McElrath at thirty four. Josh Hill at thirty six, and Barsha at twenty six for a max for the All Star. So my team. Minus one was pretty damn good. If I had had anyone else that I was looking at, I looked at hand, I looked at even Catanzaro, he made it. I would have done pretty good, mate. I think I would have had you for that that uh, win for the week if I hadn't got Simonson. But if buts and maybes, whatever. Let's go this week for round 10. We'll see where we get to. All right, who are we looking at for your team this week, Dan? Have you you got that screen up, mate? You ready to go for 250s? Who are you picking? So I've got Hunter as my holster. Nice. Um, that's just yeah, that's a given. Um, I've got your mate Devin Simonson. He's uh, uh-huh. sitting there with the thirteen pay handicap. Off big time this week. You watch. Yeah, um, I've got Talon Hawkins. Uh, again, this will be a qualifying thing to see 
see how we go, but uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure on that. And I think if Moseman comes back this week at a minus one, I'm picking him. Yeah, I don't, I, think, about, uh, I, I don't know whereabouts is him. I've got a comment in the emergency department later mm-hmm. that uh, you never know with Moseman whether he's coming onto the track or not until the track opens for first practice. That's just the team and him. There never seems to be too much noise about it. So, yeah, you'll find out when he rolls out or not. Yeah, so he's uh, he's in that spot. But, yeah, if he doesn't, I'll just take him off and uh, no idea who else I'll put on. Yeah, right. All right, well, my 250 team, I've got Max Anstey as a bit of a bounce back this week for an all-star. Uh, I am just on based on the picks that I have available to me this week, uh, I'm going Cody Shock at a three, Henry Miller at a five, and I'm going to risk it and go Michael Hicks at an eight. So that's my 250 team at this stage, but as per usual, qualifying dependent. Um, I'll go first yeah, with 450. I think- I, th- I think uh, Hicks has been coming, you know, he's been coming good too. So it's probably uh, probably not a bad pick. Well, I feel like it's the right time to jump on there. So we'll see how it works out this weekend. But um, yeah, let's go 450. I'm going to go first. I've got, I'm going to pick Eli for a bounce back at a two. Seeing as he's not a one at the moment, I thought it was a good chance to pick him. Uh, Justin Hill at a three. Kyle Chisholm at an eight. And uh, again, I'm running out of places to pick and I, I don't want to pick Dino. Uh, so I've gone Justin Starling at an 11. What do you got, Benny? Um, at this point, I've got AC. So, again, <laughs> we'll see. He's under zero, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I've got Barsha as my all-star. Um, I've got Logan Carnia at 14. And oh, then, uh, yeah, um, he's on a little bit of a roll. He's had three in a row now, so he's um, getting on in there now which is good. Uh, I've got Ferrandis, but, you know, same thing as Moseman. I don't know if he's coming back. And, uh, well, if he does press day, yeah, um, we'll see if he makes it through. <laughs> we'll see if he makes it through press day. But there's just there's not a great deal to pick from at the moment that, you know, really, really interests me. No, it's gotten a bit tight there in the 450s. A lot of them are obviously that are doing reasonably well regularly have hit the all-star mark. So the other ones are all still a bit inconsistent for my liking and the, and the handicaps aren't really worth it at that point. So, yeah, it's getting a bit hard to pick the the other three for the 450s for me if that's uh, – yeah, it's just difficult. Yeah, do you think uh, – how do we think Kenny does this week? I think there's a little bubble burst for this week and maybe he's fourth, but then look out for him for the rest of the week. So I think that would have been an emotional thing to sort of come down from this week. So I could be wrong, but I just feel like it might be a little bit of a burst of, you know, he doesn't have the same pop this week because of that mental drain from, from the win. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be looking for him the week after, to be honest. Yeah. That's uh, that's fair. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully now he's uh, he's up there more often. Mm, it'd be good to see. It'd be good to, if he does just all of a sudden pull podiums every week. That'd be sweet. I'd be quite happy to see that. Um, just like I just like that story in general. Not not not. I'm probably not picking him from fantasy point of view. Not a, not um, consistent or the points wise isn't good enough. But uh, yeah, he's. Uh, it'd be just nice to see that happen pretty often. All right. Anything else? Yeah, fantasy well, wise. Yeah, well, I picked, like I said, I picked Barsha, but I was tossing up between him and uh, him and Kenny. But yeah, I think, like, I think I'll just stick with Barsha. I think, um, yeah, like you said, after last week, 
might just see how this week goes and then we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all good. Well, let's leave it there for the fantasy picks. Let's just quickly again thank those sponsors for the Fantasy League. It's Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia and Bolt Tech. Uh, Bolt everywhere, Bolt Tech. Bolt everywhere, sorry, Bolt, guys. Um, but that's the fantasy week for this week. Uh, be sure to be jumping on. Oh, if you haven't jumped into our chat, our, our group chat yet as well, make sure you send us a DM, send it to me or send it to Benny. Uh, Benny's Grino22 on Instagram uh, and we can get you into the group chat and you can uh, either vent or gloat. There's only a split either way when it's talking fantasy in the group chat. So, um, yeah, but no, all good. Let's take a quick break here on the Always Moto podcast. Hey guys, it's Matt Moss here. We're tuning in with Always Moto's podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for listening to the Always Moto podcast. This is episode 53. Let's jump into the emergency department. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. I keep saying it week after week, but you do not want to be on this list at any point in the season. All right, let's jump into the injury news coming out of Indianapolis. Uh, three major injuries or three incidents, um, two major injuries. And unfortunately, when I say major injuries, they are significant injuries. Um, we've got uh, out for, for out from injuries uh, at Indy that won't be making the track at Detroit this weekend. Bubba Pauly, um, nasty th- thumb injury. For those that haven't seen it, go and check out his Instagram page. Uh, he's unfortunately managed to have a front-end washout in qualifying and somehow his hand's been still on the bar and managed to rip the tip of his thumb off. And when I mean the tip of his thumb, I mean basically amputation style, chop the top of the thumb off, basically from just behind the, the nail bed area. It's been chopped straight off, so, so bone, um, all the tissue, the skin, the nail, everything, just basically chop it off there uh, and hang it out. The interesting part that's happened with it, but he somehow managed to... Now, normally when you chop these things off at that point, obviously it cuts all the tendons, uh, the ligaments across the joints, everything, right? But somehow in this instance, it's actually been like a pull injury where it's pulled the end of the finger off and it's yanked the thumb uh, tendon that attaches right to the tip of that uh, bone in the thumb there, ripped it out of the forearm. So it's actually pulled it all the way down his forearm and yanked it out. So there's a picture in his little Instagram video of the tip sitting on a piece of rag or whatever it is on the table there. And the tendon is actually curled up next to it. And he's had to have that reattached further up his forearm as well as have the thumb tip reattached. Now, luckily that's been able to happen. But as per usual with these things, when they rip off, it's gone pretty black. It's gone a bit dead looking. Uh, and then lucky Bubba, he's been sitting there getting to have a leech suck on the end of his thumb. And that's an interesting old medieval time sort of process. But they're using the leech on the end of the thumb to try and suck through some blood into that area and get some vasculature happening to make that tip survive. So there's another video that Bubba put up um, after I was chatting to him uh, where he's just got that leech hanging on the end of it and he's watching tv and it's just sucking away it's just a weird scenario uh don't know how this is all going to play out hopefully that that reattachment stays and it, and it thrives and the blood vessels continue to work through there and the, it gets profused as they say with the blood flow 
but there is the chance that in a couple of weeks or in even in a couple of days that that doesn't work and that tip has to come off and he just loses the tip of his thumb, which won't be awesome. Uh, I actually said to him when we were chatting um, back and forth in some text messages, he was using text uh, text to talk. So I talked to text, I was wrong way around. It's because he obviously doesn't want to type with one hand, can't type with one hand. But uh, I said to him, it might be something worth checking in with Jesse Nelson. Unfortunately, he had something similar happen to him many, many years back before he had his uh, spinal injury. And he still managed to race with it. So we'll have to see how this all plays out for Barber. But he's going to be out probably for the rest of this Supercross season at least uh, while things go with that thumb. And like we said, hopefully the it gets perfused and the blood flow starts circulating in that area and it all goes well from there. But going to be a big watching act and see what happens with this one but he's still in hospital as far as i know he's coming home soon if they allow um but yeah big one for bubba paulie the other big one was our red flag incident that we talked about earlier in our general talk section with the contractor it was for larry rays uh he's popped up on instagram an update on his situation now we've reached out to him but we haven't got a response yet from larry hopefully we hear from him shortly we can bring you more of that on next week's show but for now he's got a concussion um, a shoulder fracture. And the main part of the injury for him is he actually has a major liver, liver laceration. Uh, I think he mentioned grade five liver laceration there. So pretty significant. Uh, he will have to be, he would have had surgery on that to, to repair the damage. Uh, and he'll be probably on, uh, you know, on some different things for the next week or so, potentially in hospital for that period as well, whilst he is uh, recovering from that surgery that needed to be repaired from that. Uh, so some pretty significant things there for Baba and for Larry. Uh, the other major ones that were happening, or the mother, major crashes that were happening of note was uh, to Benny Bloss. He had two big injuries, not big injuries, two big crashes at Indy. Uh, but luckily for him, it seems that he's already back on the bike this week testing with some get data things from, uh, I believe it was Dan Truman in the picture. But uh, we've checked, we've reached out to him, but no response. But at this stage, we believe he'll be going for Detroit. So sounds to be all good there. Now, some other things to note on the injury front. Uh, we've noticed that Joe Shimoda's out and about on the motocross track, but no sign of supercross testing or riding laps yet. Maybe that might be that he's not quite ready. Maybe he's just waiting till the week or two before Atlanta, uh, which would be basically next week. So we'll have to see if that starts to happen for him. Otherwise, it might be a, a team play to have him just come back for outdoors. We'll have to see how that plays out. And the one that we've been sort of missing MIA inch information on for the whole season really has been Vince Freeze. Uh, and there's some helmet cam footage of him hitting some turn tracks this week. So he's back on the bike as well. So not sure what, still not sure exactly what Vince Freezed into what degree, but it seems he's back on the bike. So that's a good thing. Uh, the AC, Adam Cincerulo being back at Indy was a good one. Uh, two weeks off there from his wrist incident. And look, the thing that I pointed out and played a little game with everybody on social media was spot the difference. And he definitely has that wrist brace back on his right wrist. I'd mentioned it in previous shows that he'd dropped it this year. Uh, ever since he basically came back at the end of last year from his ACL injury, he didn't have it on. And I was wondering what was happening there, but he's got it back on now. So wonder if it's that right wrist that was the incident side. And that's why he's got it back on for some protection. I wonder if it'll just stay there permanently now or, or what will happen with that. But there's a bit going on. And as I said on last show, I would love to sit down with AC and do an interview and just hear a bit more about what's going on with these things and the and the thought process behind the brace on and off and on and off, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, be an interesting one to hear from. Lastly in our list uh, of things to note, it's Nate Thrasher. Now, 
we found found out on some of uh, the other podcasts we listened to. I think it was from the Pulp uh, Review Show. I can't remember exactly. I didn't note it down at the time, but it's popped back up in my brain right now. Uh, and it's Nate Thrasher. And actually at that Daytona crash, we talked about the fact that he might have tweaked his knee in that injury. But it seems that he actually broke a couple of ribs in that crash instead. So he's added to his compl- his injury issues. Uh, and like we are talking about earlier, I just don't see how this is going to continue to go for Nate with the situation with the injuries and, and potentially that ACL surgery that he might need to have. I'm noticing that his foot is on the peg a lot and he's obviously protecting that and that's got to be impacting his ability to ride aggressively. He just probably doesn't have that same confidence in the, in those corners. So I'm interested to see how long this lasts. And like we said earlier, maybe there's some sort of financial thing that he's trying to meet to then get the benefit or get a contract resigned or, or something along those lines. He's got to do a minimum number of races or a minimum number of podiums or wins, etc. And then you'll get this bonus. And if he gets, if he, he'll keep going until he gets it or he'll get to the point where he can't achieve it and then he'll drop out from the series. So that might happen uh, potentially uh, for next week because this is sort of then there's a two week break there for the uh, West Coast to kick back in. So we'll have to keep an eye on that one from Nate Thrasher, but that's where we're at with him at this stage. Just a bit of a question mark on him with that knee the whole time since basically since week two of the of the of the um, season for him for East Coast. All right, and the other one, a couple of ones we don't really know about. We mentioned him also when we're talking fantasy earlier with the contractor, but Michael Moseman and Dylan Frandis don't know their status ready to come into this weekend at this stage when we're recording. And unfortunately with both of those guys, neither of them really get back to anyone on, on, on those sorts of topics at any sort of timely manner. Uh, and the teams aren't really posting about those guys either until you see them roll onto the track. So unfortunately, I'd love to be able to bring you information on those two guys, but at this stage, I don't have any and I won't probably know until they roll onto the track on Saturday US time, Sunday morning our time. So see what happens when that track crew get back in action. All right, let's uh, let's jump into our weekly product inspection. We'll do that just after we take a quick break here on the Always Moto podcast. I'm Kyle Greeson, and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. Welcome back, guys and girls. Thanks for listening to the Always Moto podcast. We're going to jump straight into the weekly product inspection highlight. And this one is brought to you by Gas Imports, and it's their Michelin tires and the new Starcross 6 range. Now, this all-new Starcross 6 range has been out now for a few months. Um, You might already have some on your bikes, and if you do, good choice. Um, In terms of the Michelin products, you can't go wrong with any of them pretty much across any of their ranges, but these motocross tires are fantastic. I've been a long-time user of Michelin products. I go all the way back to those M12, S12 days, even onto those when they updated the versions to the XC versions and then recently the Starcross 5s. Now, back in the day, I I didn't like the original Starcross range before they came into the Starcross 5 versions. I just always preferred the S12 and the M12 tire options. But they've sh- when they shifted into that Starcross 5 range, I-, I couldn't help myself. I ended up on them. I, f- I was trying some other tires at the time to see if I could get the same feel out of them. But it just never worked. I'm obviously just a Michelin, um, you know, like that feel and whatever they do in their tire construction. It suits my riding style and the feel that I'm looking for from the bike. And if you've never tried a Michelin tire, I definitely suggest you do so. There's something about them in the way that they that they look, that they feel, and that they handle the terrain that you ride on in a very positive manner. So it's something 
that you should definitely try out there. Now, obviously, lots of you will be stuck on your Pirellis, your Dunlops, your Bridgestones, whatever it is that you're using, and you don't steer away from it. Now, until you've tried something else, you never know. Now, I have tried other tyres, and I've got a stack of them in my in my shed that I will never go back to because I didn't qu- didn't like them. They wore way too quickly, or they just didn't have the grip or the feel that I was looking for. Trust me, try yourself a Michelin tyre. Now, let's talk about these new Starcross 6s and how are they different from the Starcross 5s. Well, first and foremost, they now, as Michelin's calling it, they've got this Michelin silica technology in these Starcross 6s. What is that? Well, it's just basically a material that they're using that is helping bind the tyre together. It's making it wear uh, less quickly, so it's lasting longer, uh, but it's also improving your grip as well. So this silica technology is doing a lot for the tyre versus the Starcross 5. So in design, they're saying that there's 16 more percent more traction for versus a Starcross 5 when new in this Starcross 6 range. And when worn, there's 19% better than the Starcross 5s. So that's a lot of improvement in grip. Now, I'm not sure how they measured that exactly, but that is what they're telling us. And that's obviously from the feedback and the riders that have previously used it and tested it with them back to back on the same track. So that's a pretty impressive number there. Now, they've also changed what they're doing. The, the patterns are different, are slightly different. The compounds are slightly different. They've now gone... So the Starcross 5s had the soft, medium, and hard range. Well, they've now shifted this over from a, to a medium soft, a medium hard, and a hard. But they've also included in this Starcross 6 range a mud tyre and a sand tyre. So you now no longer have to... Um, you know, look for those other brands to get things like a sand scoop. You can do that now with a Michelin tire, which is awesome. The Michelins are obviously my favorite tire, but they are very much worth having it. And with these extra range, you know, spreading the range out a bit more, you can get really specific when you're picking your tire choice from the Michelin range, which is awesome. Now, because of the different um, construction of these tires, the wall is supposed is apparently stiffer than the Starcross fives, and that's meant that there's now a change in tire pressure that you can run with these tires. And then they're now saying that you should be running from Michelin down to thirteen percent in these Starcross sixes, which is a lot lower than what they were saying. I think it was fourteens and fifteens for um, the Starcross five range because of that softer sidewall. Now. For me personally, that's not really going to change too much. I'm a, I'm a big moose user. I don't really end up with a tyre with a tube in it because I'm just always out in the bush or on rocky tracks. So I'm never wanting um, to risk getting a flat tyre and ruin my day. So I always just run mooses. But that will change then obviously how the feel of that tyre is as well because that sidewall will be a bit, bit different in, in that construction with the moose then as well. So, But if you are running that tube, yeah, you can run it a bit lower. So that's going to give you a bit more feel and a bit more grip out of that tire and you're still not risking then um, pinch flats and that side of things so that's awesome so how is it you say well we're mounting these tires up this weekend we've just received them Um, we're popping them onto the wife's new test bike the gas gas 350f the 2023 model that we've just recently got and we're running some of these all these new products that we've been speaking about here on the always motor podcast recently they're going onto this bike and she's going to be giving us her feedback now she's been running michelin tires for just as long as i have if not longer and she was actually a michelin um uh you know employee for a period of time there when they used to be imported by a different importer back in the day so she knows these tires inside and out from way back when uh, and her feedback will be what's going because I am still 
as lucky me, out on the injured list for at least another couple of weeks. So we'll be getting onto those as soon as I can as well. But uh, yeah, we'll be having some more information on these and how they feel and that personal feedback about how they operate uh, here very shortly. And we'll be popping together an article for fullnoise.com.au and we'll be also doing some further updates here on the Always Moto podcast about that feel. So stick around for that. But these new these tires are out and about. Get yourself some. Check the show notes for, um, or basically head to your local tire, um, your local shop, and you should be able to get these from any of them. And if you can't, you should tell them that they're terrible and go and find the other shop that's nearby in, the, in your area and get them from those guys because the Michelins are available pretty much in every single store. So check them out. Get yourself a set. You will not be disappointed. All right, let's take a quick break here on the Always Moto podcast and we'll be back with more which will actually be our interview with Lorenzo Lucercio. So please stick around for that. You'll be here very shortly. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Scott Meshi, number 411, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, joining us on this week's episode of the Always Moto Podcast, we've got a rider that hasn't been around a little bit recently. Um, last time we saw him, he was at MX of Nations. Unfortunately, got a reasonable injury there uh, with a knee injury, and uh, he's just on the line to talk to us today and see where things are up to with the recovery and how things are looking to get back on the bike. We've got Lorenzo Lucercio on the line. Welcome to the show, Lorenzo. Thank you for having me. No, anytime, mate. It's nice to catch up with you guys, especially when you sort of disappear for a little while. Knee injuries, especially when they're um, you know significant, tend to take you out for a while and you sort of disappear from the spotlight. It's nice to catch up and see what's been happening for you in that recovery period. Yeah, for sure. It's not it's not ideal, but you know, it's good to get it done. I you know I just really had to get it done because also my shoulder was really uh, messed up, so. Once I found out I did my ACL at after Motocross Nations, I was like, all right, maybe this is a signal, you know, that I need to get both fixed and then just come back brand new, you know, because I, for the past couple of years, I've been just racing injured and it just wasn't working out. You know, I wasn't able to ride up to my full potential. I wasn't able to uh, train to my full potential. So, I mean, and I was racing one of the hardest uh, championships in the world or the hardest uh, championship in the world. So, uh, you know, it just, it, it worked out that uh, I did my knee and I was like, yeah, you know what? I just might as well do my shoulder at the same time. So when did the shoulder actually happen? Cause I saw that in all the posts and I just assumed that it happened sort of around the same point, but you're saying a couple of years you've been riding. Is this that injury for a couple of years you've been working through? No. So I had like, so it's been a couple like, the past year and a half has been kind of crazy for me. Uh, not this, uh, not Redbud, but Maggiota uh, or Lombardia or whatever, Mantova, Mantova, the last Motocross Nation, so mm-hmm. not 2022 or 21. Yep. Uh, I jumped back down to the 250, but uh, in preparation for that, I broke my nose. Oh, awesome. And so I was like 15 days off the bike. I pretty much got on the bike like, the week before the motocross nations and then on free practice uh i just had a really high uh uh crash like i was really high speed crash and i slammed into a jump and i ended up re-breaking my nose and i broke uh two of my better breasts okay uh t5 t5 t6 so i didn't know that i did that i just thought i broke some ribs 
because I also when uh, they did the X-rays at the track, they seen some cracks there. So I was like, oh great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I took a couple of weeks and I came back to ride. Uh, I don't remember which GP it was. I think it was Arco, and I got like 15 and 14 in the moto. So I was like, oh, okay, like it's not. T- I mean. The pain after the motors was like unbelievable, honestly. But I was like, ah, okay, maybe it's just some reps. You know, I never broke some reps before. So I'm like, ah, maybe I'm just being a little girl. <laughs> uh, and then I rode, I was going to ride uh, Mantova again. And yeah. I'm like, man, this pain is really bad. Like I rode Saturday uh, practice. And like every time I got off the bike, I just felt like someone was stabbing me in my, uh, my rib cage. And I'm like, man, this is not normal. Like I couldn't literally move. I was, I had to lay on the ground for like, 30 minutes or so and i'm like man this is not right i'm gonna go to the doctor i'm just gonna have them check my ribs again because maybe i did something else yeah exactly and i was scared that i was gonna like puncture my lung or like something was like puncturing me mm-hmm. or something yep. i was i was just scared so i went to get some done they did like a like an mri type of thing and then they told me i broke my t5 t6 and i wasn't allowed to race so i'm like well that explains the pain it makes some more so sense for I you took at that like, point at least yeah so then after that, I took uh, three, three, it was around a month, like two months off, honestly. So yeah. I got back on the bike and I literally had like a few weeks before the season because, uh, of course, last year, the season for MXGP started earlier than all most of the years. So that didn't give me a, a, you know, a really good base. So I was catching up, catching up, catching up. And then, yeah, I had this preseason race at... Uh, Magiora uh for the Italian championship. Yep. So I did practice and I was uh, at the race. I was second behind Furato and uh I just had a freak accident happen. I was coming to a corner and a bump literally took both my feet off and mm-hmm. I just literally whiskey throttled the berm. Yeah, so nice. I jumped the berm and I landed at a bunch of rocks and I ended up uh dislocating my shoulder. But when I did I tore my labrum and like I tore my bicep. Uh I just I had a huge hematoma on my side. So it was a big crash. Uh, so that took me a while, but then I went to the doctors in Czech Republic and they didn't really told me that I had torn my labrum or my, uh, uh, muscle. Mm-hmm. They just said, Oh, it just seems like it's Bruce and you know, you, you'll be back. So then like for like a month or so, I was really like, I couldn't get on back on the bike. It was really painful. Yeah. And then I came back on the bike and I was riding, uh, one of the, uh, no, I take that back. I, I went to Tachental. I grabbed a point one of the motors, but the second motor, my shoulder really like was really weak at the end of the motor, so I like I slowed down. And then like the following week, I went to race a Czech uh, championship race. I was winning, and out of nowhere, I land a jump, and my arm goes dead, like literally dead. Like I couldn't move it, I couldn't lift it. Yeah. It was like super weird, and then. At that point, I knew something was wrong with my shoulder, so I told my team boss at the time, "I'm like, hey, I'm just gonna go fly to the U.S. and find out what I what I've done, because clearly here we can't figure it out." Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I came to my doctor of voice. Uh, you know, my he's done all my surgeries uh, and stuff. So he said that I had a tore labrum, uh, ligaments were done. I needed surgery, and also my. Uh, ulnar nerve on my elbow oh yeah was pinched so that's why my arm went numb i was gonna say that makes more sense about your arm just going dead at that point for that impact yeah the nerve in damage there would be that cause so yeah yeah rough rough go yeah so 
it was it was a rough year you know i i it really tested me mentally for sure and i was alone in europe because all my family lives in the state between the states and venezuela so uh just being there alone and just going through all this crap it was like really tough for me uh and then like i said after that i got sir i told the doctor i was like hey i need to make it to motocross nations i've been off all year that's my only chance to kind of like show my face and be like, Hey, I'm still here. Like, yeah, exactly. Just for any, any potential for this season. Yep. Uh, so yeah, he's like, okay, well you're going to need the ulnar nerve surgery. That's going to be like around four weeks. Uh, and I had around like six weeks till motocross nations, but then he's like, I can't get the surgery until two, like two weeks. So I'm like, man, like I, you're I'm really screwing me. Like I really, <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I need to get surgery quick. So, so quick. So, anyways, I I waited the two weeks. He got the surgery done. He said four four weeks until you can do any kind of uh, weight bearing. Yep. Uh, of course, I was riding by three weeks. Uh, <laughs> sorry, by four weeks. Yep. Uh, but you know, it all worked out. I had like uh, five days on the bike before Motocross Nations, so it worked out. I like I I got on a KTM on the new chassis, which I never road before that event mm-hmm. and we just revalved suspension put a pipe on it and just said go to race went for it and eh? yeah i was literally just winging it pretty much i was just the goal was to make it to the a final which we did yep uh and for myself i was doing pretty good also for a little time and all all things considering like i i i got like eight seventh or eighth on my qualifier and uh we didn't make it because some unfortunate events happening for the other riders. And then we had to go to the B final. I had to toss my goggles in the first lap and that matter. And I came out, still came out with the win. I passed a lot of people. I don't know how. Yeah. And then on the motos, uh, my first moto, I was racing the open class. So I was in the MX2 open class. Yeah. Uh, I was 11th battling with Marvin. Uh, I don't remember who was in front of me. I think it was either Norin or uh i don't remember at this time but i yeah. knew i know mark wasn't right in front of me because i was battling with them and i had hunter right behind me so i'm like oh i need to go or else hunter's gonna pass me and uh one of these corners uh marv went into it and i kind of like it blew off and i didn't see it because it was right in front of me and it kind of just like my bike washed but my leg like stayed still so yep. like i tweaked it yeah and right away i knew something was wrong like i knew the pain was unbearable so i pulled off to the mechanics area like i couldn't really walk and then went to get an mri for sure uh, acl is done so i was like at this point um i needed to go to like an event in venezuela for one of my sponsors oh yeah uh so i was like well i'm just gonna go there for a few weeks and then come back get the surgery and then i started doing like cycling and all that and it was feeling pretty good. Uh, like the knee didn't pop out. It was strong or any Like it was mm-hmm. all good. Yeah. But then my shoulder started popping out. Like while well, I was sleeping, I was riding, whatever. It just started popping out. So I was like, ah, just sketchy to go do supercross or any kind of like high level yeah, exactly. racing with that. Good. So I decided to get the surgeries. They told me it was better for me to do ACL first and then my shoulder uh just because i needed to be on the crutches and yep. acl normally took longer yeah 
the, so, you need the arms for I, the crutch part to, so that the shoulder can not be um, impacted too badly because otherwise, yeah, you're just stuffing yourself up more and you'll be completely useless for a couple of weeks otherwise. So, yeah, ACL first. So what did you what did you get a particular type of graft done? Do you know what it was for the ACL repair? I got a cadaver. Yeah, a I got cadaver. a cadaver. Yeah, nice. uh, yeah so they, they anchored it pretty good. They ha- I have like a like a pretty much like a two anchors in each each direction to to make it a little stronger. Uh, and honestly, that's probably the easiest surgery I've gotten. I had a external uh, nerve block. Yep. Which was the machine that I have like a tube going into my uh, my hip, and it was just feeding uh, whatever they do to keep it numb. So. Uh, I did that for the first night and then it came off, unfortunately, but like I wasn't in pain meds or anything, which I was really surprised. Uh, so then that just really went smooth. Uh, I started to move fairly quickly. I like, as soon as I got home from the hospital Yeah. and at four weeks, I was already walking. Uh, we just needed to week, wait the, the four weeks for some reason. I thought I could have walked earlier, but you know, I was trying to, listen to the doctor uh today i'm at three months and i'm almost to the point where i'm fully released like i'm uh i'm doing like a lot more than i should be doing and uh that's just from the knee aspect but yeah yeah uh like it's strong i got muscle i got no swelling it's it's all the tests that they've done i passed yeah perfect so they pretty much just telling me that I need to wait for my shoulder to be done for it to be clear. Uh, but for the shoulder, like I said, I needed to wait four weeks uh, to get the surgery done. And uh, yeah, I just been pounding and therapy. Like I, I told the guys, might as well just uh, prepare me a bet here since I'm here almost every day. <laughs> uh, it feels like that when you're post-op, doesn't it? Those first few weeks, you just seem to be at the same spot doing the same movements with that little rubber band and that's all you seem to do yeah it's like it was crazy because uh for the knee i was going three times a week at the beginning and then when i started when i was i got the surgery and i uh i took a week off for the cert for like yeah. my shoulder and then yeah. i resumed uh knee sir uh knee therapy uh and then after that they allowed me to start doing therapy for my shoulder so i was doing three times a week knee and then two times a week shoulder so i was literally there there are five five days a week because they wouldn't let me do double day like uh so you had to go and (laughs) split it up and be every day geez that's yeah you literally are just getting up and going to there every day aren't you so literally i hop on my car and he just says directly like the address for the for the (laughs) it knew the car was going to drive you there no matter what yeah (laughs) if i had a tesla it'll probably just drive me there by itself exactly let's put it that way uh, now, of course, it's changed just because I'm so far ahead with my knee. I'm only going one time a week, uh, every two weeks. And for my shoulder, I'm still going twice a week. So uh, I've been progressing a lot, honestly. Like the therapists are really happy with me. They're saying that I'm really far like ahead to where I should be. So that's at least encouraged. Uh, so hopefully I'm on the bike anytime soon. I go to the doctor soon too for my uh, shoulder, which that's pretty much what we're waiting on yeah. just to get more of a direction of how long it's going to be till I'm 
back on a bike. So what are we hoping for? Like another, like within a month sort of thing, you're back on the bike or, or what's the aim at this stage for you? Well, either that or, I mean, I, I'm hoping to be riding by mid-April so I could be ready for, or not ready, but at least to start the outdoors here in America. Oh, uh, that's my next uh, question. What was the plan for, for racing? Like, yeah, so you are going to try and do some pro nationals? Yeah, my plan My plan is to do the full thing. Either the doctor allows me or not. That's another thing, but that's my plan. Yeah, uh, nice. Like I said, I, I feel really good. So it's like just about convincing my doctor to let me ride uh, <laughs> in April. Uh, but yeah, that's the plan. Well, at least it's the middle of April. That gives you sort of that six weeks till start of the races, doesn't it? So it's um, a reasonable time frame to get some strength and some bike time and hopefully some settings all set up for it. So it's a reasonable time frame for you to work with. If it gets to the end of April, it starts getting a little bit tight, doesn't it? So. Well, yeah, and like, but like I said, I, I only had five days before Nations. And I did pretty well, so <laughs> I just wanna, I just wanna start the season like build as i go i want to be there every moto too so i haven't been able to do that the last couple of years so i want to finish the season like completely and I just build from there i know it's going to be tough because i'm coming from one of the two toughest injuries you could have uh, as a you know as a rider yeah. just because of the shoulder and the uh and the knee but uh yeah i'm kind of like a head case when it comes to this like i really push myself to the more of the limit so just to make sure i'm good when i come back to the bike so i feel good i feel like i'm ready like if i didn't get surgery on my shoulder i probably would be riding by now yeah mm-hmm. uh but at the same time i just want to listen to the doctors and uh either if i don't like the what they have to tell me i'm just gonna follow them up and see how it goes it's hard at this point isn't it but you've made the decisions to do the things to get both areas fixed you you sort of want to follow it through don't you but it's still hard when you get to this point you're feeling good and and they're sort of yeah that's that's what the nurse told me the nurse is like i know you feel great i know you feel ready but like just give us a more a couple weeks i'm all right i'll I'll do that yeah yeah you've gone this far man just wait the extra couple of weeks it'll be worth it in the end because hopefully hopefully none of them are a problem then in the future for you because you've done the right stuff you've done all the therapy and you've waited the right time for all those bone anchors that they've had to put in your knee and stuff to really go solid and you know they're never coming out sort of thing yeah yeah i i'm 100 percent confident on my knee honestly like the doctor did a really good job like uh i have no swelling at all like if i didn't have the incisions you would have known that i i had a a surgery on it because honestly like it just and like i i got my muscle pretty quickly back so it's not like a you couldn't tell like it's Uh, something went on that so i'm pumped on that one my shoulder the same like uh, uh the type of like incision they did and everything like it was really really good like i'm lucky just to be uh surrounded by like a really good medical team here in the states so yeah um you know and my doctor writes moto so it's like if he tells me like a time frame my my shoulder doctor does uh my knee doctor he's like really just like a normal doctor Mm -hmm. but he's really good on for knees so he's on they're both on the same team so uh but if my shoulder doctor tells me something, I listen to him more than if my knee doctor tells me something, just because 
it's he don't know how tough us dirt bikers are like just how much we're willing to push just to be back yeah but, but that's if my rare. shoulder doctor tells me yeah yeah it's, it is honestly like, so. that's that's amazing that it's like the surgeon is is that you know riding dirt bikes usually they don't they know too much about the injuries they don't want to put themselves in that position but yeah that's pretty cool because then he's understanding everything for you and that makes it so much easier for you to like you said you're actually listening to him differently than the knees guy exactly yeah and i was surprised honestly because my knee doctor said three months until you're like back good to go but like four months until you're like race ready which yeah. I was expecting from like a non-moto doctor just to be like, oh, it's going to be at least six to eight months. Well, that's uh, that's the general time frame for, for like most people that they'll say because it's especially when they're going to go back to like a, a football or a, or a soccer, depending on who's listening and which word we want to use there. But like that cutting movement is more problematic on, on those fields, you know, and that's where the eight months sort of comes in. But for us moto guys, you're just standing on the foot pegs. You're not sidestepping as such. So it's a, it's a exactly. shorter time frame. As long frame. as you don't dab your foot. Well, yeah, exactly. You've got to keep your feet on the pegs a lot more nowadays. So, But, um, but yeah, the recovery time frames have been getting shorter and shorter for guys returning for moto, at least for ACL. So that time frame that you're talking Yeah, I know. I'm pumped on that stuff. Yeah, it's not unusual now. It's real short. So. Yeah, I know. I was, I, I, last time I did a knee was like 10 years ago, and the same doctor did it. Yeah. Uh, he told me a year just because of I had like a broken femur down there and I had like all ligaments done uh, on that knee. Yeah. So he said a year, but I came back at four months. So I'm like, ah, I was hoping the same time, but when he said three months, and I'm like, okay, now you're speaking my language. Yeah, we're on the same page. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was stoked. That's awesome. Well, look, things are obviously progressing for you and getting closer to to being back, which is awesome to hear. And glad you haven't got any horror stories about how things have, you know, bad surgeries or anything like that. So that's that's always positive, and you sound like you're in a good spot to be hopefully being released here shortly. So it's awesome to catch up with you. Is there any actually quickly before we end this? Is there any plans? Like, have you got some bikes and rides ready for the outdoors? Or are you still working on something? Or is this going to be a full privateer effort at this point for you? Yeah, it's going to be a privateer effort. I'm going to have, like, my own deal. I'm going to start doing, like, my own team. Uh, I have enough, enough experience already from, like, just being all over the world yep. where I'm, I found some good support where I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to be in a gas gas, but, like, the factory edition one, so it's the new chassis nice. yep. bike. Uh, and I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, we got another rider coming from overseas. Uh, soon I'll be giving more information about that who's gonna be cool. uh so yeah it'll it'll be you know my my thing and it also is gonna work for the future uh when i decide to step away i'm gonna have something to go back on and uh uh yeah just run a team nice so we're gonna be staying more ama based stuff then i gather with with the team set up then yep yep for sure that that'll be that'll be the goal uh I'll be doing next year for sure. I'll be doing Supergrass and motocross. This year is only outdoors just because uh, I rather sacrifice Supergrass and uh, get back to a hundred percent just for the future. Yeah. But sense. yep, that'll be, that'll be the, the aim for now, just back to America. Awesome. Well, look, we really appreciate you, you know, telling the story of how these injuries are going and, and, you know, giving the listeners on the always motor podcast, some, some insight into what's been happening for you in the last few months. So appreciate your time today, Lorenzo. Nope. Thank you for having me, guys. Awesome. All right, mate. We'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you.
Hey guys, this is Grant Harlan, and this is the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for listening to that interview there with Lorenzo Lacurcio. I had a quite good chat with Lorenzo after we hung up that call uh, and just, you know, shot the shit a little bit further about these injuries. And he's been through a rough trot, as you heard there in that interview, but uh, he's on his way back and look, he's looking to be back for those Pro MX Nationals uh, later this year in the States. Uh, And I was telling him that we'll hopefully catch up with him one day when we're over there for one of these rounds uh, and maybe get him on for a few more things. But you're probably going to hear his voice as one of those little ad break um, for us here where the rider intros that happen uh, and look out for that Spanish uh, that we've got him to record as well. So that was pretty cool to get something a little different for us here on the Always Moto podcast. But that's it for another week. This is episode 53. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to send us those T-shirt orders. Uh, email to info at alwaysmoto.com. Follow us on the social medias to stay up to date on all things injury in moto. Search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast feed. Those uh, initial bits that I was reading at the beginning of the show where we're directing you to past shows, you should have already seen them if you were subscribed. So when this episode ends, make sure you subscribe to our feed. I don't know why you haven't done it already. If you're already listening, you should have subscribed. Please do so. And if your app allows, if that podcast app allows, please leave us a rating. It will help us with the algorithms and it will be mean a lot to us down the track. Thank you in advance. Don't forget to check out all of our written articles that we talk about all the time over on fullnoise.com.au and we'll soon have more content coming your way once we get our own page going as well, which will have some other different aspects going on with alwaysmoto.com. But for now, that's another show. Thanks to Polar Australia. Thanks to Slantboard Guy. Thanks to Endurance Recovery Boots. Thanks to Tech 167 3D Printing all that for all that show support. Thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, and Bolt Everywhere. Thanks to the Always Motor Contractor. We'll pay you one day, buddy. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. But remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick.